It's the Andy Thompson Show on ESPN 97.7. Burnsy, how you feeling, buddy? Feeling fantastic, man. I mean, it's it's a great time to be a fan in the state of Utah of hoops right now. We talked about Utah State, BYU's promising. We know right now uh, Utah's obviously had some big-time moments this year. And then, of course, the Jazz themselves. Been a rough start to the season. Not a lot of reason for optimism. They were looking very lowly, bottom of the barrel, couldn't win a game on the road. They had a three-game road trip coming up here, AT. Boston, Philadelphia, Milwaukee. That's your top three teams in the Eastern Conference, okay? And if Jazz fan, if you would have told Jazz fans they'd win two of those three, they'd be tickled pink, man. You go to Boston, you get a, a Beantown beatdown, 29 points at the hand of the Celtics is what you lose, and Jazz fans aren't feeling super good about playing high-quality opponents, but then you take advantage of an Embiid, Tobias Harris-less Sixers team, you win that game on the road, and then just last night, a big-time victory in Milwaukee where the Jazz had to face this game from multiple angles. They held a lead against the Bucks that they haven't held on the road this year. That's not an official statistic, but I put good money on it. The Jazz were up 77-46 to 46 at halftime. Giannis still got his triple-double. Bobby Portis brought the energy. Middleton put up 20-plus. Uh, former Jazz man Malik Beasley shot well enough, I guess. Like, the Bucks made a comeback, and the Jazz didn't falter. Remember during the Quinn Snyder era, comebacks were all the happening against the Jazz. They right. could be up by 20, and they'd still lose the game. And that was with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. But with Will Hardy, he's got this team dialed in, focused. They shot really, really well. That obviously adds to the equation. But a big-time performance on the road. I know Damian Lillard didn't shoot, uh, didn't suit up for Milwaukee, but one of the most impressive jazz wins of the year because they had to handle it from multiple angles. Up big, the emotions of watching a team dwindle, get it all the way back down to seven points, and still having the ability and resources to walk away with that, that's the mark of an experienced team, which the Jazz are not. They're obviously a rebuilding second-year team, and for them to get get that victory uh, was was very impressive. They're now, they're now 18-20. They're in the 10th spot. Or they're only a half game out of the 10th spot. They're in the 11th spot, but the play-in is now looking like a very real possibility, and as the season progresses, still a lot of ball left to be played. I mean, they're only about four games out of being even a potential 7-6 seed. What's your evaluation of Fontecchio uh, in this phase of the season where he's getting a bunch more minutes? Simone has been revolutionary to say the least. I mean, Fontecchio is not a superstar by, by any stretch of the imagination, but what Simone Fontecchio is, is a NBA player through and through. He's a rotation player. He's somebody that is serviceable to the extreme. Not obviously not only as a shooter, but as a rebounder, someone who can push the pace as a defender. Fontecchio is very much that type of guy who you can tell to do any type of assignment and he'll be thrilled. He didn't have necessarily a great game against the Bucks the other night in the scoring department. I think he only had five points on the night uh, for Simone, but he did everything else. Like even when Fontecchio is not scoring, he, it's good to have him on the floor for this team. And even when he and when he is scoring, then it's absolutely essential to have him on the floor for this team. So I, I really like what they got there. This is somebody whose role in the National Basketball Association was questioned at times last year, didn't get off the bench, didn't see minutes. And even this year, there was a moment where you're like, this guy's supposed to be a shooter. If he's not going to hit shots, why is he on this roster? And all of a sudden, he's been given minutes, he's been given opportunities, uh, and the dude looks like he belongs. He fits right in. Not only does he fit in, but, I mean, he succeeds at, at a pretty high rate. He's quickly becoming one of Jazz fans' favorite players to just watch on a night-to-night basis. He he doesn't do anything over the top. 
He doesn't do anything extra spectacular, but what he does is consistent. It's solid, and, and it's pretty dang reliable right now at this point for Fontecchio. So you love to see it. And then Clarkson and George both had great games <laughs> off the bench last night. They time. did. Yeah, Clarkson, fantastic. 21 points for him. Keontae George was absolutely phenomenal. 19. He was big. And what I love about Keontae George and his performance in that win over Milwaukee is the fact alone that he wasn't just hitting shots. We've seen George score this year. We've seen him hit open threes. We've seen him get to the cup. That's all well and good. But he, every single one of those points had to be earned against Milwaukee. Those were tough shots. I'm talking am one floaters. I'm talking step back threes. I'm talking about George creating his own shot, not just being a byproduct of the offense and being able to capitalize. I'm talking about him taking over and actually getting points on his own accord due to no help of the offensive rhythm, due to no help of his teammates. I say that like it's a bad thing. It's just every once in a while you have possessions like that where you have to take matters into your own hand. And Keontae did uh, multiple times. And I know it was a hot shooting night for Utah, 11 threes, uh, 41-23 first quarter lead. That 77-point first half. The Bucks got booed off the floor. But that aside, the shots were falling, but don't think they were all open looks. Milwaukee's perimeter defense is bad. The Bucks have lost four of their last five, believe it or not. That's not ideal. But for the Jazz, it was still a very impressive performance where a lot of these shots were earned. It wasn't necessarily practice for the Utah Jazz. They weren't just getting open corner three after open corner three. Uh, so it, it was it was a well-earned victory. And for those points for Keontae and those points for Jordan Clarkson, you, you have to appreciate it. And Clarkson's just been playing so well as of late that you have to be very, very impressed with whether his future's in Utah or not. His role in the NBA is, is still very much the same it was a couple years ago when he won sixth man of the year. This dude can score, and he can score in a hurry. And his efficiency continues to, to simply climb Week by week, beginning of the season, it wasn't pretty. All right. He was scoring here and there, but he wasn't doing so efficiently and he was turning the ball over. He's not doing that anymore. He's smart. I think he had six assists to one turnover against Milwaukee, if I recall. And that's not just a Jordan Clarkson thing. That's a backcourt thing. The backcourt was Utah's biggest hangup going into this season. Most question marks, most uncertainty. And all of a sudden, the last couple of weeks, it's been the Jazz strength. Colin Sexton? Remember, Colin Sexton couldn't make the right read to, to save his life. Great scorer, not a great distributor. Turn the ball over to high clip. He doesn't do that anymore. Look at Colin Sexton's last 10 games, last 15 games. He's went from being somebody who you might be able to flip for a nice piece to someone who should seriously be considered a part of this roster long term. He's playing mm. that good right now. If so you look he's at off the trading block. I, I fully believe so. Unless somebody offers something, his value has certainly gone up. So Danny Ainge would really have to like the return because and it, it seems sustainable. It's been multiple games after game after game. It's not something that he did one time. And it, I think it's a, a byproduct of Coach Hardy because it's affecting the whole backcourt. More efficient scoring, less turnovers, higher assist numbers, a willingness to not take the first shot that's there, even if the, especially when it's contested, and to continue to move the basketball. And we've seen that from Sexton more so than ever before. So you have to appreciate it. What about Chris Dunn? Chris Dunn, man. Chris Dunn has been absolutely phenomenal since he took over a starting spot about 10 games ago. And Dunn, you have to tip your hat to him. This is a guy, obviously, last year signed to a couple 10-day contracts, gets a non-guaranteed contract the rest of the year. Jazz guarantee it for this season. Okay, So he's in the lineup. He's projected as a starter in the preseason. Doesn't necessarily get that. His play's kind of sloppy. He returns back to the lineup. Taylor Horton Tucker gets benched. Chris Dunn reemerges, and the Jazz are a different team. Chris Dunn 
can can be the most impactful player on the floor by scoring five points. And that's exactly what he did against the Bucks. Five points scored, hit both his shots, one inside the arc, one outside the arc. But the best thing about Dunn, he had 13 assists. His last 10 games where he started, that's his third game of double-digit assist numbers for Dunn. And the Utah Jazz since starting him, if we look at the 10 games prior to Chris Dunn starting, all right, the Jazz were averaging about 111 points a game and about 26 assists per game. You insert Chris Dunn into the lineup, who's not a scorer himself, and their scoring average jumps by about, they go from 111 to 122 just by having Dunn on the floor. Not because he's a scorer, but because he's willing to settle the offense down. He's willing to find the open man. He makes the offense click. He's not going to be a Taylor Horton Tucker who, who wants to go to the rim every time and try to get his and get his points. And THT's made strides in his own accord. But like Dunn just understands, these are the guys I got to get the ball to. This is the offense we have to run. Doesn't matter if I take two shots, score five points. I'm going to dish out 13 assists and our offense is going to score about 11 more points than it was prior to this because I'm here on the floor. And the assist numbers have also jumped by about five. And the Jazz are also limiting opponents by about five less than they were prior to Chris Dunn starting. You wrote in your column on SportsRadio977.com how amazing it is that this what had been a dysfunctional backcourt yeah. you know, over this stretch has been remarkable. It, it's fun to see, man, because the backcourt was, remember, it was Lowry Markinen, it was John Collins, it was Walker Kessler. That's Utah's frontcourt. Those are your solidified players. You know what you're going to get from them. You're going to get points and rebounding from Markinen. You're going to get blocks and rebounding from Kessler. We knew what Collins was prior to Atlanta, but what are we going to get out of Keontae George? What's Jordan Clarkson going to be like this year? Second year of a rebuild. May he want to go somewhere else when things go bad? We didn't know what was going to happen, and for a while there, it was bad. This A lot of credit has to be given to Coach Will Hardy. We talk about the players and their development, but his willingness to shake up the starting lineup. Bench dudes, you know where Taylor Horton Tucker's been the last handful of games where the Jazz have been winning 8-2 and two in their last 10? He hasn't been on the floor. Hasn't seen the floor. And, and that's much against the wishes of clutch sports, right, who represent Taylor Horton Tucker. They want their guy on the floor, fellas. They don't want to see a clutch player sitting on the bench and that's where THT is, especially in Salt Lake City. And he makes those moves. The The starting lineup was rough to start the season. He's adjusted it. John Collins is now playing the five. And that has completely transformed the offense in, in every way. Collins hasn't necessarily taken a massive step up, but it's made the fluidity of the offense significantly better. He's bringing Kessler off the bench. He's bringing Clarkson off the bench. He's starting Chris Dunn. He's starting Collins Sexton. These are not the lineups that Jazz fans probably would have predicted. But they're the lineups that work, and you have to tip your hat to Will Hardy for for getting in the lab, getting his hands dirty, saying we're going to shift this up. I, I'm not sure if Clarkson, who has been a, a perennial bench player, necessarily wants to come off the bench this point in his career. But he has been, and he's been doing fantastic. Walker Kessler, a building block and untouchable. I don't think he was planning on coming off the bench, and he is, and it's working. So I, you have to you have to give a lot of credit to, to Coach Hardy and, and his willingness to muddy things up, especially after a prior coach in Quinn Snyder, who, as great as he was, would not change his rotation, would not change his lineup regardless of the situation. Rudy Gay gets his minutes every night. Jeff Green gets his minutes every night. It's how it works, how it happens. It hasn't been the case with Hardy. What's the most impressive stat 
over this kind of string of wins for the Jazz? I think one of the most impressive statistics that you can probably look at, other than the hot shooting that Utah had, they're 52.2 from the field, 45.5 from deep. That's their highest total on 44 threes attempted by about 18%. They've done that about three times this year. But I think you got to look at the schedule. And and, and a Twitter user uh, by the name of Mark kind of pointed this out. But he looked at the schedule and broke it down basically where if you pick any team in the Western Conference, Utah's played more road games than them. So if this 18-20 and 20 record and this resurgence is impressive to you, it's likely about to get more impressive because they have played more road games than, I mean, just an absolute variety of teams. Pick Spurs, anybody in Blazers, the West. Grizzlies, Warriors by seven. Wow. Suns by eight, he says. Kings by seven. Clips by five. So... So, yeah, pick a Western Conference team. The Jazz have played more road games. That means a lot more games upcoming at the Delta Center where the Jazz are clearly significantly better starting tomorrow night against the Nuggets. Both these teams are 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. Should be a fantastic battle. Um, so that's what's impressive is the Jazz have been road heavy. They've had a lot of games that have not been to their advantage. I mean, you're talking a three-game road trip against the top three teams in the East, and somehow, some way, they've actually overcome the last couple weeks. With what a month, a month and a half ago, Utah would have been obliterated. They would have stood no chance. So you see the growth as the year goes on for this team. All right, that's how about that Jazz with Rustin Burnside, brought to you by NetsOnFire.org. Quick break. We'll be back. Close out the show. We'll have big game. Uh, correct any lies that we told today, and much, much more. We'll only have about five minutes. Quick break.